Welcome to Three Strands Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. At Three Strands, our mission is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about being a light in a dark place. And I don't know if you ever forget stuff when you come to church, but today we forgot something. Guess what we forgot? The lights, yeah, yeah, for the food table. Heather's like, we got, I forgot the lights. I was like, of all days, probably going to have to go back today and get them today. But normally we'd let it roll, but uh, that's what we're talking about today. So if you here, were here last week, you know that we're kind of looking at 2 Corinthians chapters 3 through 5, verse by verse. And uh, last week we talked about being humble. Uh, today we're talking about being authentic as we dive into these seven, first seven verses of chapter 4. Now, our nation is plunging deeper and deeper into spiritual darkness and uncertainty. I don't know if anybody would disagree with that. I mean, 30 years ago, some people deliberately chose to live contrary to the commands of the Bible, but there was this general consensus that it was the truth, right? But nowadays, many people have concluded that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Dave and I were talking about having some different moral conversations with people, and we said the first thing we should probably ask is, do you believe there's an absolute truth? And if they say no to that, I'm not even sure we should continue the conversation, because that's where we're at today, that a lot of people don't even believe there's such thing as an absolute truth. There is a wrong and a right. That the Bible is just, you know, a book written by a bunch of humans, and we are free to interpret God's will, you know, however we want. I mean, how dare a preacher stand up there and pretend to speak for God using the Bible? Sadly, guys, that's becoming the norm today. We talked last week about how the foundations are being shaken with economic instability and and the shape that our world is in morally. But the spiritual foundations are being shaken as well. Look at Psalm 82, verse 5. It says, but these oppressors know nothing. They're so ignorant. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. So we're in week two of this series, Uncertain Confidence, uh, just looking at those three chapters, and we're learning how we can be confident in the uncertain times in which we're living. And today we're going to look at those first seven verses as we think about how to be authentic and let the light of Jesus shine through us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 will be our theme verse today, and it says this. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, guys, when the lights go out in the cave, it's an ideal time to be selling flashlights, isn't it? Well, the darker the world gets, spiritually speaking, the greater the attraction of Jesus, the light of the world. And the darker the place is, the brighter that our lights can shine. The prophet Isaiah, he predicted um, what the coming of Jesus would mean when he said this. He said, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. And so let's begin this morning with verse 1 from chapter 4. And I want us to think about some ways that we can confidently let the light of Jesus shine through us in a world that's spiritually dark 
in these uncertain times. So four life applications, four take-home lessons, uh, four things you can take with you when you walk out the door and hopefully remember uh, tomorrow morning, okay? So if we're going to be lights in a dark world, the first thing is this. It is crucial that we remain positive in a negative world. If we're going to let our light shine in the darkness, we've got to remain positive in a negative world. Look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We don't lose heart. You know, guys, it's very easy to get discouraged in a world that's becoming increasingly dark. And there's just a lot of evidence to the breakdown in national morality, isn't there? From homosexual activists trying to normalize and make gray an area God has spoken very clearly about, to gender confusion where it seems common sense just isn't very common anymore. I read a Facebook post last week of an ex-student of mine, and I haven't talked to this person in years, and she said in the post there that she wished her high school health teacher, me, would have taught more about safe sex than abstinence until marriage because she was going through another divorce and her kid was hurting, and I guess somehow I was the one to blame for that. I read where one abortionist said it's not even wrong to, listen, kill a newborn baby, that it's the mother's right to choose even then. And it blows my mind. It blows my mind that we're even debating killing babies and the definition of male and female. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it's the world in which we live where people are truly deceived. They've rejected God. And then things like political corruption, internet pornography. I mean, even on common platforms like Netflix, all those forms of pervasion are engulfing us. And when you look at all this, it's hard. It's difficult not to get discouraged when you think about all that stuff. And then we see churches disengaging from the culture, abandoning basic doctrinal truths, arguing, grumbling, and constant complaining among themselves, covering up even moral scandals. And it's hard not to lose heart. And then we have our own personal problems, don't we? You know, I heard someone say that they had turned their life around. They said they used to be depressed and miserable, but now they're miserable and depressed. They just turned it right around, you know. Listen, if Christians are truly converted, we shouldn't be miserable and depressed all the time. We should be joyful and optimistic. Listen, even in the middle of negative circumstances. Remember, happiness is because of our circumstances, but joy, that is in spite of of our circumstances. We can be joyful in the middle of a storm. And Paul says, therefore, we never give up. And, and the word therefore in that verse, it's referring to the previous chapter that we talked about last week. He's saying, therefore, since our confidence is in Jesus, not in ourselves, remember that? Therefore, since we are saved by grace and not under the law, Therefore, since our focus is on developing deeper character and not impressing people with our reputation, and therefore, since we have this affirmative ministry, therefore, we don't give up, and therefore, we don't lose heart. Now, Jesus warned us. He told us. He, he warned us that this world would only get worse. 
But he also said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world in 1 John 4, 4. Jesus knew that the church wouldn't be perfect, but he promised he would build his church, and he said the gates of hell won't overcome it in Matthew 16, 18. And he also said, in this world, guys, you're going to have trouble, but to take heart because I've overcome the world, John 16, 33. Think about Paul and his buddy Silas who were beaten, and then they were put in chains and put into a dungeon in Philippi. Remember that? But instead of being depressed and miserable, they were joyful and were optimistic. They sang praises and they uh, prayed to God during that time. And then you remember what happened. An earthquake shook the prison doors, set them free. And as a result, the jailer ended up giving his life to Jesus and was baptized. Being a light in a dark place. And if you and I are going to be a light in a dark world, we can't give up. Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And you know, guys, when we see positive things that Christians are doing, we see that there is a lot to be optimistic about. Pastor Carl Thomas decided to do something about the millions of people who were addicted to pornography And so he and his friends started triplexchurch.com. It's a website where those addicted can find help. And they bought a booth at the National Porn Convention in Los Angeles, and they told the attendees who were there. He said, listen, we're not here to argue with you. We're just here to try and help those people whose lives are out of control. And in covering the adult entertainment convention, ABC reported only on the Christian booth and the people's reaction to it. And then the L.A. Times picked up the story with a lengthy article the the following week. And in the first month that they were in operation, they had 9 million hits on their website. And they had to buy more bandwidth in order to accommodate the attention that it was receiving. That's an example of being a light shining in the darkness. Therefore, we don't lose heart and we don't give up. Abby Johnson was a clinic director at Planned Parenthood where she assisted in abortions after having two of her own. And during her second marriage, she began attending church with her husband, Doug, who was very opposed to abortion. She ended up feeling conviction. She ended up resigning from Planned Parenthood, and she began to work for a 40 Days for Life campaign where she helped women find other alternatives to abortion. I don't know if you remember this. There was a movie about it that came out in 2019 called Unplanned. Great movie if you want to check that out. But she was being a light in a dark place. And when the light shines in the darkness, when we see things like that, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. The Major League Baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays, held a LGBTQ Pride Night this month where they added the rainbow-colored logos to their uniforms that not all players were in agreement with. Pitchers Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson were among those who did not participate, and they wore their standard uniforms. Adam was the one chosen by team officials to speak on behalf of the players who opted out. He said this. He said, you know, it all comes down to faith. He said, we want everyone to know that they're welcome here. 
But we are not wearing a symbol on our bodies that's representing a lifestyle Jesus has told us to abstain from. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's not a lifestyle God has encouraged believers to live. That's it. But we love these men and women. We care about them, and we want them to feel safe and welcome here. I think the church should have a similar response. Being a light in a dark world. Therefore, we don't lose heart. So guys, listen, no matter how intimidating your personal circumstances are, don't get discouraged. Our God is able to deliver you. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So remain positive. Stay on the offensive. Continue to believe that you really can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. And so another way that we can let the light of Jesus shine in us is not just remaining positive in a, in a negative world, but demonstrate integrity in a deceptive world. Demonstrate integrity in a deceptive world. Look at verse 2. Paul said, We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. No, we tell the truth before God. And all who are honest know this. You know, from the very beginning, Satan has used tricks and distortions to get his way, hasn't he? The scriptures label him as crafty, a liar, a deceiver, one who disguises himself as an angel of light and a wolf in sheep's clothing. So it's not surprising that his world is full of secret, deceptive ways. And you know, people can be deceptive and, and use shameful tactics to get ahead in the world, can't we? We see this oftentimes where, where people lie on their resumes to make their credentials look better than they really are. Or in the political world, using deceptive and shameful, shameful tactics just to try and get votes. Or when people knowingly put inaccurate information on their tax returns to get more money. And to be honest, you know, there's a temptation for us as Christians to be deceptive and to be clever with the gospel, with the good news. I heard about a process pregnancy center who has disguised themselves to, to look like an abortion clinic. There are these Christian tracks that are designed to look like money, to look like dollar bills. This is a million-dollar bill, by the way. But they leave them laying there on the ground so people will walk through the Kroger parking lot and pick it up and go, Oh, my money, right? And they open up and they read that it's really the four spiritual laws. What the, right? And they get angry at God because somebody's pulled a trick on them, you know? You're trying to win people to the Lord, but you just tick somebody off. It's what you did. Don't do that, all right? Just share with them. Be ticked off. I thought I won, won money and four spiritual laws. But anyway, <laughs> right? But people do that. Christians even do it. There, there are church services, where the sermons are watered down to appeal more to visitors so they can become acquainted with the gospel more gradually. But listen, if the light of Jesus is going to shine through us, we've got to get rid of secret and shameful ways. We are called to be people of integrity. And you know, 30 years ago, the church could impress the world with, with its excellence and programming and things like that. But then a bunch of leaders were, were exposed who lacked what? Integrity. We have to have integrity, and we have to be authentic if we're going to gain credibility in the community in which we live.
Back in, in 1929, federal agent Elliot Ness was making $2,800 per year. And he was once handed an envelope with $2,000 cash in it. And it was a note from Al Capone promising that amount every single week if he would just back off. Ness rejected the bribe and called a press conference to report it. And then the next day, the newspaper headlines read, Ness and his men are untouchable. And that's how they became known as the untouchables. I think there's a movie out about that as well. The Bible encourages you and I to be untouchable. It says to live blameless, upright, pure in heart, not even a hint of sexual immorality among you, holy and righteous in his sight. 1 Peter 2.12, it says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So listen, guys. When other people show up late, we need to show up on time. When other people coast, we need to put in an honest day's work. When people are taking advantage of their 15-minute break, we should get back to work. Though others may be putting off paying their bills, we need to be paying off our debts. When everyone else is telling filthy jokes, you tell a clean one. When everyone else is, is fudging the numbers on their tax returns, Let's be honest with ours. When others in the family are being hateful, let's be loving. When others in our world are, are being promiscuous, let's remain faithful and let's remain pure. And when others water down the truth of the gospel, let's stand firm and preach the truth. When others in class are cheating students, be honest. You be honest, even if your grade suffers. Dr. Madison Serrett was a math professor at Vanderbilt University, and he once told his students this. He said, today, class, I'm giving two exams, one in trigonometry and the other in honesty. There are many good people in the world who can't pass trigonometry, but there are no good people in the world who can't pass a test of honesty. But you know what? Even if you pass the test of integrity, not everyone will appreciate it. Some people may even resent it. If we renounce shameful worldly ways, some in the world will renounce us, won't they? Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, if the good news that we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden who? Only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds to those who don't believe. Here's what's really going on in our culture. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Guys, there are those who can't see the truth because Satan, the God of this world, has blinded their eyes. That's the truth. We sometimes wonder, how in the world could you listen to that story of redemption? How in the world could you hear the word of God preached? How in the world could you go through certain experiences, grow up in that godly home, and not be persuaded to follow Jesus? But Satan has them blinded. 
They're so caught up in the world and what this world has to offer that even though they have eyes, they can't see. In fact, instead of being attracted to the light, they resent it. They resent the light. And you know, the truth is this. A light hurts the eyes of people who are asleep. It embarrasses those who are improperly dressed. It exposes those who are trying to hide something. Jesus said in John 3, 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Guys, listen, our job, our job is to shine the light confidently and consistently so that anyone who is truly seeking to find Jesus can do so. God said to let the light shine in darkness, even though it's going to make some people feel uncomfortable. I mean, it will. That's just part of it. Light will make some people feel uncomfortable. God said to let it shine. And listen, if the light of Jesus is going to shine through us, okay, the next thing is that we've got to practice serving in a selfish world. We've got to practice serving in a selfish world. Look at verse 5. Paul said, you see, we, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your what? Servants for Jesus' sake. You know, the world is so used to everyone looking out for number one, but if we want the light of Jesus to shine through us, then we need to take it upon ourselves to follow in his footsteps and to practice serving to put the needs of other people in front of ourselves, and then, then we will stand out in contrast to the rest of the world. Jesus said that to let our light shine before men, that they will see our good deeds and do what? Praise our Father in heaven. And the truth is anybody can serve. I mean, anybody can, right? I mean, anyone can be unselfish and let the light of Jesus shine. And you know what, there's, there's one thing that impresses the world way more than sermons, way more than music, way more than doctrine, way more than buildings and programming, and that's having compassion while serving those who are in true need. That's what impresses the world. That's why signing up for a serving role here at church is so important, like in our children's department. You know, it's not just genuine ministry, but it's, it's positive publicity for Jesus, you know, the truth is some in our community are skeptical even about our church. And it's crucial that our community sees us not as arrogant bullies, but as humble servants following in the footsteps of Jesus. That's how we need to be seen. One last practical principle that I want to share with you is found in verse 7. That if we're going to let the light of Jesus shine through us, it's important that we be real in a fake world. we got to be real, authentic in a phony world. Look at verse 7. It says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Guys, there's a lot of phoniness in the world, isn't there? I heard about a female army sergeant 
She was stationed in Georgia, and she called her parents during this intensive leadership training course that she was required to do, and she had to spend six weeks in an encampment in rough conditions. And so she called, and she said, Mom, she said, I've met someone here I'd, I'd like to get to know better, but we're not allowed to wear makeup, and so he has no idea what I really look like. And the truth is, we are so used to wearing masks that we've come to think it's natural, just covering ourselves up. Many people wear masks, don't they? Pretending to be prettier, pretending to be richer, pretending to be more influential, more confident than they really are. And guys, the truth is we as Christians can be fake sometimes like that as well, can't we? Pretending to be more spiritual than we really are. Uh, partly because we're afraid that if people really see the true us, you know, that we will detract people from following Jesus. And we don't want to deter people from following Jesus. But listen, there are few things more compelling than somebody who's just real. Somebody who's real and authentic, humble enough to admit their weaknesses. We, we, we have this treasure, it says, in jars of clay, the scriptures tell us. I heard of Dwight Moody, the, the great American evangelist. Well, he went to visit Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, one time. And when Spurgeon answered the door, Moody was shocked to find that Spurgeon was smoking a cigar. And Moody said, how can you, a man of God, smoke a cigar? And Spurgeon takes the cigar out of his mouth, and he poked his finger in Moody's belly, and he said... The same way that you can be a man of God and be so fat. <laughs> and they laughed about it, and the two became friends because neither hid their weaknesses. You know, people are not attracted to Christians who pretend to be perfect, are they? In fact, it does the opposite. It, it turns them away. But people find Jesus irresistible. Irresistible if we point out that the treasure, it's not us. But it's Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And the more we admit that, the brighter Jesus shines in contrast. Paul confessed, right, that he was the chief of sinners, he said. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the second part of that verse, he said, So now I'm glad to boast about how great I am, right? To boast about all of my accomplishments and, and all my strengths. No, he didn't say that. He said, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why. Now that's not an excuse to sin so that Jesus will look better in contrast. I mean, the light of the sun always shines more brightly through a clean window, doesn't it? But it is an encouragement to be transparent to honestly admit our weaknesses, and to confess our sins so that people will be attracted to Jesus. Every now and then at work, I'll receive an anonymous letter with some coward trying to stir up trouble. And I'll be honest, it angers me that someone would stoop that low to that level, talking about me and my family, and, and then not sign their name, you know. Well, a few months ago, uh, I was talking to our superintendent, and he received an anonymous letter from the same person. Same kind of envelope, same writing, same style, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when telling me about it, he said, you know what? I think we should pray for this person to come to know the Lord. 
And I paused, and, and I was like, now, I don't know if I'd go that far, okay? That's what I told him. And, uh, and we laughed about it, but, but that's exactly what Jesus said to do, isn't it? To pray for those who persecute us. And I didn't think to pray for that person, but I have since started doing so. And, you know, I screw up too, but I'm thankful that Jesus still forgives and uses me. Because the truth is, we're just jars of clay. I mean, we're fragile. We're not worth much to ourselves. Guys, we're imperfect leaders. But inside, we have an invaluable treasure. You do. The good news of Jesus is inside of you. And he can bring forgiveness. And he can bring healing. He can bring true purpose in your life. Guys, he can bring salvation. And he can bring eternal life. People are more likely to be attracted to him if we just take off the makeup. All the fake spiritual cosmetics. God said, let the light shine in the darkness. And his light will shine brighter if we stay positive, if we live lives of integrity, if we will serve other people, and if we'll just be real about our weaknesses. If you would like to step out of the darkness this morning into the light and walk with confidence with the light of the world, Jesus Christ, I pray that today you would do that. Let's stand. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing this last song together. Father, I pray for each person in this room. Would you help us just to be real? Would you help us to just, uh, to just realize that we have the good news living inside of us and that we would be lights in a dark place? Father, I, I pray for those who may feel far away from you today. They maybe feel like their life's just full of darkness. Today, would you just give them a glimpse of light? Would you give them your son Jesus and they would realize they don't have to live in darkness anymore? That you indeed are the light of the world. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Jesus. And I pray this week, God, that, that, we, would, that, that we would remember that the darker the place is, the brighter our light can shine. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Wow. We hope that encouraged you and will push you to know Jesus better. There's no better life than the life that is completely dependent on God. Be sure to check back each week for new podcasts from 3SC.